Hey everybody, this is Felipe Villalcazar from Death by Metal, and you are listening to the Middle-Aged Metalheads Podcast. Hey Metalheads, thanks for tuning in to this special two-part interview with Felipe Villalcazar, director of Death by Metal. You can view Death by Metal on Amazon Prime Streaming or anywhere DVDs are sold. And now, part one of our interview. Hey, how are you? It's David calling you from, uh, from Pennsylvania. Hey, Dave. How's it going? How are you? Um, good. Are, you, are we all set? Are you in a good... Uh... Uh, yeah, I'm just going to head over to my desk. Got my microphone set up, so I'll send you guys a file, and, and you can cut it in with your mix if you want. Okay. I can hear so that way it doesn't sound like it's recorded off the phone. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I'm Michael. We're like again. We're just like uh, honored, pleased, grateful that you're gonna uh, give us some of your time here to talk about your uh, Death by Metal documentary, among other things. All right. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We got. Uh, Carrie, uh, nice talking to you. Yes, your uh, documentary was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm David. We we chatted a little bit by email and text. Um, yeah. And uh, no, I, I've watched it twice now, and uh, we've got a couple of questions for you. But before we we kind of got into anything formal, I wanted to see if there was anything that you wanted to make sure we kind of didn't talk about. If there's anything that's off the table, we wanted to make sure we honored that. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I don't, I don't, can't think of anything that you guys would ask me that I would want to talk about, really. We're super excited. You, you replied and, and, uh, you know, we're pretty early in the whole podcast launch, but, uh, but people are excited about it. I was talking to some folks today and they couldn't believe that, uh, that we were getting in on this. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks to you guys too for the, the support and the attention and everything, you know, we'll, all I want is just to get the word out there, right? For people that know that the movie's finally out there or done. Believe it or not, there's people out there that I still don't know that there's a movie made about Chuck. So. Well, we have you on the cell phone uh, here, David. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Felipe. So we're trying to find a place where everybody could hear it. Can you hear it? Well, I can hear it fine, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, okay, well, I'm just. I'm not going to fiddle with it. I'm going to leave it right where it is. <laughs> Yeah, okay. As Dave said, we don't want to ask questions that you know may pose a problem. Uh, this is Carrie once again, Felipe. Uh, I actually did have one. I mean, unfortunately, we all know about Chuck's unfortunate health issues. During your mm-hmm. interviews, did anybody mention anything? Did he have any mental issues? No, no, no. Um, uh, no, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The the you know Um not that I know of. I mean, you know, it it's sort of a, a few guys here and there have said, you know, in retrospect, uh I wonder if his uh kind of mood swings would have had something to do with that tumor because um you know, some some of the people that I talked to have met or known other people through the years that have had the same condition or similar conditions, and and those things kind of mess with your personality when they're advanced. So uh, some of the guys kind of wondered that, you know, like after everything went down, they're like, well, you know, I wonder 
if like I don't want to mention any names, but like I wonder if you know the things that he did or the things that he said at one point or another how were more influenced by this than than him just being a jerk or whatever, right? Uh, and there's a lot of truth to that, right? I wonder that too. And again, I think that that came out, Felipe, in, in watching this. I think people had like an attachment to the music and perhaps maybe didn't have like such a, you know, a, a close understanding of, of Chuck's personality or things that might strike uh, people outside the band or outside the family as seeming somehow um, idiosyncratic or creative genius or diva-ish or, or unstable. Um, I think to kind of like uh, front load this, we, we want to kind of uh, get an idea of how how did you come into this uh, into this project? We know that you're uh, you're the fellow who wrote the extreme metal part of Sam Dunn's Metal Evolution back in 2014 or so. So how did you come yeah. into this very special you know project? Well, Sam and I wrote that one together, though, and uh in doing that we we talked you guys sound like you've seen it we talked we talked about death and went to florida and obviously eric was a big part not just in hooking us up with interviews you know not just with the death guys but you know monty connor and the other guys that we saw eric helped us out but um he um he also helped us like he pitched in you know for the production because as you remember we're on an indiegogo so eric pitched in uh you know a chunk of change there and he got a box of goodies and everything and uh in doing that project i met him and we became close uh emailing back and forth over a lot of stuff that we had to talk about and in between we would talk about other things music whatever right and um one time we were going to interview someone i forget who it was and they were here in, in toronto i'm from toronto so they they were here and eric was along with that tour and I just turned to him and I said, hey, man, you know, uh, everybody wants a movie about death. Uh, have you ever thought about that? And um, he basically said, yeah, but we just don't know, uh, you know, the right the right person to do it. Um, by that point, the the thing with the first DTA had already happened and they had tried to film something during the first DTA, but it didn't pan out. Um, not much was done, I guess. I never saw what was filmed. Um so he kind of told me about that, and and I said, well, cool, you know, well, we'll just sort of like keep talking about it. Like at that point, I was in the middle of this extreme metal thing, and we were also doing Alice Cooper, like we were doing other stuff. So I never really, I wasn't really thinking, being like, okay, well, I'm gonna do this next week or anything like that. Um, so when those the projects that I was busy with finished. Um, I just gave Eric a call and I said, Hey, remember that time we we're talking about making the movie? He's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we can do it now because <laughs> if, you know, I just finished this week, the experimental project and the other project and he goes like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, give me a call when you get home. I'm like, okay. And that's how it started. That, that, again, it's just, uh, you're working with the right people talking with the, the people <laughs> who were involved with the band and, and, and clearly there are plenty of like former, uh, ex-members or you know uh, members of death um, what drew you to extreme metal was is, is this something that personally is in your background did you grow up on extreme metal is that what gives you some uh, particular edge or an advantage 
Um, well, I don't know. I was like um, a metal kid growing up. Uh, I, my dad had uh, rock and roll over in his vinyl collection. He mostly didn't listen to like disco and stuff. So I don't know how he came, ended up with this and dynasty. So, um, so when I was growing up, I remember seeing these records and being like, what is this? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and that sort of got me start. you know, I started listening to kiss and, and, but it never, the, the, the visual and the, the sound never really matched for me in the kiss and talking about kiss. So the, the, I sort of always wanted to find out more, right? Like this is, I grew up, I grew up in Colombia. So uh, there it was like, well, you know, let's find out more about this, like, you know, American music or rock and roll or whatever. And um, so eventually I found the Black Sabbath and then you start getting in. That's when you start, you know, as a, as a metal fan, uh, some guys like the heavy breakdowns, other guys are all about the speed you know, and ever since I was a kid, I was about the like the raw. I, I loved raw productions, the good raw productions, and and I really like the 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 speed aspect of it and the the precision of it. Not just playing fast, but the precision. First time I heard Napalm Death, I thought, <laughs> I was like, what is what? Um, so it was like it was a progression. So it you know from Sabbath. You know, Volume Four is my one of my favorite Sabbath records because of that. The production and the the, the rawness of it is great. The speed of some of the songs are great. The, the, so the guitar solos are awesome. The guitar tone is excellent. Um, so then somehow I discovered punk, and then it just opened a whole new door. And by this point, I'm in high school, so uh, punk kind of punk and thrash came hand to hand, right? And uh, and then uh, in university, sort of that evolves into, well, you like punk and thrash. Here's this band called Napalm Death or Bolt Thrower or Carcass. And then those things kind of, you know, my ears were like, whoa. Um, and then and then right did this project with Sam, which kind of came. I started interning there, but uh, we didn't set out to do the project until until later what until like i had been already an intern there for a few months when uh when kind of the idea was tossed around it's like well you know this is a th something that we had planned for it just didn't pan out and we should do it with this whole crowdfunding thing because that was a new thing at the time uh so somebody at the office looked into that and and i was sort of learning and then that's how we, that came out and and you know it's one like you know I loved that extreme metal at the time as a fan, uh, but uh, to be able to like you know meet Fenris or Tom Warrior or or Martin, Ayn, uh, it just sort of like uh, grafted it onto, <laughs> onto my psyche or something. Like now it's become a part of me type thing, like a mental tattoo or something. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how you know parallel you can be. I mean, you're from Colombia and now in Toronto, and you're talking about you know Kiss being your gateway music into you know Sabbath and into the heavier stuff, and you're dropping all of these references that I am just eating up. You know, Celtic Frost, Tom Warrior, Martin Ayn. Um, you know, I'm wondering. 
you know, as this project starts to come together, how eager were the participants to tell this story? How much did they want to tell somebody about Chuck? Um, well, everybody that we interviewed was uh, very forthcoming. They were very happy to be part of uh, of the movie. They they were very welcoming, all of them, very accommodating in terms of time and, you know, um, I think uh, when we interviewed Rick Ross, he had been working late the night before or something. Like he really, uh, and and he accommodated some time for us the next day uh, because we were driving in from Tampa because that's where our like base camp for that filming trip. So he was you know nice about that. All the guys were very uh, welcoming. Like Shannon Ham had us over after a very long day at work. Um, so in that sense, everybody was very. Uh, helpful um they were kind of in their own way each interviewee was very uh apprehensive a little bit uh maybe um because everybody knows that chuck could be difficult but it's not a malicious difficulty uh if you work on if you're a freelancer or if you're working on your own creative output uh, it gets to the point where uh, you are the only one that is going to advocate for your work and champion your work and and defend your work. Uh, and that can be um, draining mentally and, and emotionally. So you can be, you know, kind of fried at the end, edges a little bit, like uh, edgy, right? Uh, not taking uh, feedback very uh, friendly or anyway, anything, which is sort of what I think was the, the thing with Chuck, right? He was very just guarding of his work as anyone would. Um, but how is it that, did you get a sense that people were kind of burying hatchets before they came to talk to, I remember when, when Rick Ross, uh, left the band the, the sense among the metal community was that the, that was not the most uh, mutual and amicable split. But when he talks about the split, it seems that he'd kind of come to terms with a lot of that after the fact. Did you get that sense from, from Rick or from other members of the band who, were, who, who left? Yeah, I mean, you know... Uh... There's been a lot of a lot of uh, time passed since these events occurred, so these guys, in one way or another, have had a lot of time to think about it, and I'm sure a lot of people have asked them enough about these things that they'll have thought about, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe the guy wasn't so bad, or maybe I was being difficult too, right? I don't know. Um, but yeah, you're right. And and one thing that I couldn't get into the edit just because of how the writing ended up working out was that uh, not all, but most of the guys that I interviewed uh, end up patching things over and, and talking and, you know, like calling Chuck when he was in hospital and checking on him and stuff. Uh, like I said, not all. Most most did had the chance. Um but uh, but yeah, no, none from none of them had any any kind of ill will or anything. Uh, we did request 
a couple of interviews with a couple of people that that they uh, declined. I don't know what would have been behind the decline, but uh, I don't. I wouldn't peg it to this, right? I don't. I mean, I don't know. Uh, so so many stories. Like I don't. You know, I couldn't. It, there there were stories and that were coming out in the interviews that I had never heard before, or comments that you know so and so would comment about. Uh, you know, on the tour bus, and they would get really heavy with their comments. Like, you hear a lot about that from the pestilence store. I'm like, I don't ever heard about that, right? And and so that is that sort of thing, right? Like it's you sort of see it was neat to see all these guys as as people, right? People at work because that's what it is. This this is that's their work. Yeah, and we want to we want to come back to that that particular issue there, like the idea that this is this is a uh, is. It's people at work. It's people who are trying, you know, to, to work with Chuck to be part of the band. So in, in watching the film, um, not, you know, from my own perspective, from somebody who who was not weaned on the sort of like brutal, extreme metal scene, I think like the first time I heard um, Metallica's Fight Fire with Fire, it was like someone had just put a habanero like right into my throat and it was exhilarating and terrifying and I think over time I got used to it and and, and again I, what I loved coming back to fight fire with fire was like okay this is something I could terif- terrify my friends with um, it's it's interesting that uh, what, what your your film covers is so much of the sort of like subterranean culture of the, the tape sharing, which is like, you know, we're talking to, you know, if we were talking to our own students or our own children now, like the whole idea that you would record someone else's music or your own music and then you would just put it on a tape and put it in the mail and then it would disappear and he would come back it's, it's such a wonderful sort of recovery of this this sort of culture that uh you know which is part of like what we're doing with this program here is trying to recover the sort of like networks of how the music came into our lives and how the people who made this music came into our lives so i, I think you, you did like such an excellent job there like the the scene there where he's uh with the the record store owner and how Chuck would uh, bring his own demos in and bring his own T-shirts in, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. like, <laughs> and then, the, then the, 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 such a great dramatic little twist there too. You know, and again, we want people who haven't seen the film to totally see this. But it's such a sweet moment where you know the guy, the record store owner, calls Chuck and he's like, Chuck. Um, about your tapes, about your your, your your t-shirts, and Chuck almost automatically responds like, oh, so you don't want to carry my product? And the guy's like, no, Chuck. They've sold out. It's it, it's one of those sort of like, I don't know, if, if death metal were, and, and well, if, if Tom Hanks were making this into a movie about a pop band in the 50s, that would be like the really feel good moment, and it does feel. Yeah, good. that's totally a scene that has to be shot if if it were to be made into a movie. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's the it's the one moment where you feel like the underdogs are actually the guys that we're rooting for. Yeah, and and, and the other thing I would have to compliment you on too is uh, again 
simply because I don't come from like the, the, the extreme hardcore uh, sort of diet uh, that someone like Carrie comes from, is that you, you, the music is always presented in like a, a really sort of like a, uh, an appreciated, understood, I wouldn't, I'm not going to use the word intellectual because that's, that's a scary word. Uh, but it, the, the way that you're able to like give people glimpses out, this is not noise. This is not just like satanic, you know, garbage can rattling music. It's, there's, there's uh, an intention, there's an intensity, and there's like a, a great deal of like personal you know, skin in the game. And, I, and again, with a character like Chuck, it just seemed like uh, a subject and, and and a film that was long overdue. It was, it, it's quite a treat that you've given to all of us, so. Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, <laughs> no, but like, I mean, I got, it's, it's so, uh, extremely so dense that uh, if, if you're not, into it like if you're not into like if you you have to know be into something to be able to appreciate what it is whether it is cars or you know or airplanes or trains or you gotta be into that to appreciate what you're looking at or hearing uh and heavy metal is just so or extreme metal rather it's so dense that a lot of people like you say write it off as noise but i find and we try to do the same thing with the extreme metal thing was that uh you have to explain what it is that it's you know it's not just this breakdown is brutal well that's sort of like the surface most comment right well what makes it and one how so and let's compare this to other things that are out there and you know where these the first guys and why sort of thing you know um which is what makes gives merit to the argument like um like when they people ask you about the first death metal record possessed or death and yeah okay you know you can go the super nerd way and tell me that possessed put it out first and they have the song called death metal and all these other things but it's different when uh an actual label person like drew in the movie is telling you yes sure that is true but here is another album that takes those elements and executes them to a higher level and and basically wrote the book on on the aesthetic and the sound and the approach that followed every other album after it so you know possessed sure came first but w what is the the first product that kind of uh keeps it all together has all these aspects together Right, is it's being able to is being able to make that argument and sustain it. I mean, one of you guys is you, Dave, right? Or you're a PhD. You know, you have to like make a, you, if you're making a claim, you have to support it, and it's not just your opinion. You gotta get your quote unquote scholarly sources. But 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 but, but you, you, you 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 make the argument, uh, Felipe. Is like, but it's, it's hard to argue with people's like gut reaction, like what, especially with with this type of music. I know I know David yeah, has another question. I mean, I think I think that the way you crafted it together, and I, I I'm curious about again how much of this is constructed and how much of this is how you know how real is this? Not that you not that you you manipulated it, but it really the, the film does such a great job of painting Chuck 
as an artist that all of these decisions are made in the interest of advancing his art and it reminds me of somebody like John Coltrane or Miles Davis who is constantly changing and is not going to keep a band together or record a second record of the same material just to make the money and please the fans he's got a vision uh, is that what you heard over and over again from these people that he had some vision out on the horizon that he was headed towards at all times you've been listening to middle-aged metalheads with part one of our interview with felipe belalcazar director of death by metal stay tuned in the coming weeks for part two as well as other special features 